What's up, everybody? This is Carrick with ACG. Just think about it this way, peeps. Some people who were excited about cyberpunk when it was originally an announced were living at home, too young to have sex. Well, depending on the state, if you're Kentucky and just, you know, probably getting their first hairs on their balls. And now we've got cyberpunk seven, what, seven, eight years after it was announced, I think 2013, seven years. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're here. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because I thought I had destroyed a bunch of the myths and legends about reviewing, but apparently I haven't. And it dawned on me, of course, as new people come in, some of these myths and legends will be brought back up. People will assume certain things happen in the reviewing process. So I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about cyberpunk, no spoilers, of course, but I want to talk about how all this overlaps into Phoenix rising. I want to talk about some healthy and unhealthy habits that we as gamers have. And of course, we're going to cover some gaming news. What would this be if it wasn't a video game podcast and my thoughts on various different things. Let's jump in. Thank you. If you're brand new, thank you. If you've been here since day one, well, thank you even more. If you've been here since day one, cause fuck it, man, even my own family isn't here. So it is pretty crazy that you've stuck with me. Absolutely appreciate it. I also want to say how much I appreciate people spreading the word of the channel. This is the rigmarole that you sort of expect right at the starting, but I just have to say this. You don't understand how big of a deal it is, but I'm going to keep bringing it up because it is a massive deal. When you hit thumbs up or you tell someone on a forum or post it on Reddit or post it on Facebook or MySpace or, well, maybe not MySpace, but you get my drift. Well, maybe MySpace. It's probably got some people on there. It is insanely helpful to the channel and to the video. I just want to say a big thanks to everybody. Also, we got a hold of the Xbox Series X and PS5 people who won, and uh, we'll be shipping those out. One is a little bit difficult, but we're working on that. And we've got a new contest coming up for a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X. And I'll talk about, uh, well, a little bit about those contest rules here in the podcast. Let's begin. Now, you guys know things go off the rails here, so just be prepared. Who knows what we're going to talk about? I do want to talk... Okay, first, let's just jump into Phoenix Rising. Phoenix Rising comes out, and you can't talk about games, right? You get these embargoes. It's like, you can't talk to any other reviewers, blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty much how it goes. I don't usually reach out to other people about a game. And there were hints here and there, and I could sort of tell by looking at Twitter what maybe some people were talking about, what some people were thinking. But there was a couple games under the radar kind of thing, and you can't tell exactly what a tweet might be about. In fact, I've got burned multiple times where I'm like, excited to blah, 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 and somebody would be like, you have this brand new thing? And I'm all, no, dude, I'm playing like the 55th version of fucking Castlevania 2D. Like, why are you freaking out? But it's difficult when somebody just tweets something to not have somebody else look at it and think of certain things. So when it comes to this this game, there's a lot of us that were sort of, you know, watching, I would say forums and Reddit and different places and seeing what people were saying as I was playing it, because I would say within the first couple hours, I was like, you know, this is either average or incredibly special. And I can't tell where my brain space is right now. You know, it was one of those things where I was sort of getting to it and, and you repeat the content from the preview, which is just dire. Nobody wants to do that. You know, sex is one of the few things you want to repeat over and over and over again, you don't a lot of times want to repeat that starting of a game. In fact, if you want to hear a diatribe from me, let's talk about Red Dead Redemption 2 shitty ass starting that's like three and a half hours, which has stopped me from returning to it. And I know a lot of you guys probably like it, but I'm sitting here, I'm looking at what people are saying and I can tell some people are excited and I can tell some people maybe, you know, aren't thinking so much and the review come up, I post it, I see everybody else's, and it's actually, it was at least an 82 on Metacritic, super high on Metacritic for what I expected. I enjoyed it, 
an incredible amount. It's one of those titles where as you're playing it, you're like, you know, I just, I don't know exactly what's going on in those first couple hours. It's enjoyable, interspersed with a tutorial, interspersed with maybe sort of a boring spot, but you see these locations in Phoenix Rising, right? You see them over the crest and you look over and it's got that feeling of exploration. It's like fucking Columbus on his boat looking out and he's like, what land can we absolutely destroy next? No, but that's the way I was in Phoenix. I was like, what, what's that over there? What's that over there? And that's one of the biggest and most wonderful changes that occurs in Phoenix Rising that I can ex describe to you. Guys, gals, all of you, when you jump into this game, there are very few games that understand how to make a game world so naturally populated that it doesn't absolutely numb your brain. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, look at all these titles that you get in Assassin's Creed's, that 50 of them, Watch Dogs, even Witcher. When you see something interesting, it's not always a major plot point, but most of the time it is. I think we can all agree that a lot of times if you see like some crested hill and some ancient claw-like castle up on the corner, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go there, right? But what's going on in Phoenix Rising is this is a world. This is the Golden Isle, right? This is where Typhon or Typhon has basically frozen all of the heroes and stolen the power of the gods. You show up here and you have titans who are frozen into the ground as stone with their arms outstretched that allow for you to get up to another uh, another spot. Maybe they fall into the ground and a massive beast is dead and you're running through its skeleton to open up some new area. Or maybe that's where an arrow kind of puzzle is. It's just crazy. Every four feet, there's something. Now, I talked about this satiation. So satiation, what does that mean? I talked about it starting the review. If you watch the review, if you didn't, you hate my reviews. Fine, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. But if you are here and you like my reviews, when it comes to satiation, especially linguistically, what happens a lot of times is the word becomes just its vowels and its consonants to the sayer. So for example, pork, and this is my example that I used in the review. If you say pork multiple times, other than it sounding hilarious, at a certain point, what happens is the neurons in your brain quit firing for every single meaning coming together and becoming a word. And they start actually identifying just the letters. And slowly, the word actually means less and less. It's an identifier issue. It's basically what happens is the brain gets a little numb and the satiation starts to come up. Basically, satiation meaning you've had enough. You are, you are filled. And that's what basically goes on with linguistic satiation. And this is sort of what went on at, at least for a moment with Phoenix. I was like, man, there's a lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff. And there was a couple puzzles, guys, where I was like, am I at the right fucking spot here? Because there was so much going on in the game world. I was like, is it here or is it 10 feet over there? And then I sort of just decided, you know what? I'm going to trust the game makers. And this is where I think in that first two or three hours, I started to look and was like, this is where I'm just going to trust the game makers. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I looked at whatever they were putting near a puzzle or near a location I was treating as part of the puzzle and nothing else. And it worked every time. It was one of those moments where you have to sit down and you have to realize the devs were not trying to trick you. And you may think to yourself, what do you mean the devs are trying to trick you? Guys, listen, look at Witcher 3, Witcher 2, Witcher 1, look at any D&D game, look at any role-playing game, look at any action-adventure game from Legion to Tomb Raider. Most of the time, the developers are trying to trick you. That's a part of the puzzle, right? To make you sort of be tricked and have to think outside the box. That is not at all what happens in Phoenix Rising. 
what this is, is almost a speed run kind of puzzle. So you'll run up to a location. There'll be some boxes, some laser beams, you know, a fire breathing dragon. What the fuck ever, right? You're looking at it. And within a small amount of time, your brain can usually go step one, two, and three are here. And I'm going to get to step four. And I have to say that is so friggin' rare. It is so rare to just feel that feeling when I run up to a location to not be stymied by the puzzle. I would run up to this location and I'd be like, okay, what's going on? I'd look and I'd be like, let's do it. And I would just run forward and grab a box and start moving it. And guys, you can tell it in my voice probably, there's a freedom, there's a fun, there's this enjoyment, there's something spiritual, something almost childlike about that. How many times do you see kids fucking flip over a box of, you know, Legos and all kinds of building blocks and think to yourself, I need to get the blueprints out and draw for 45 minutes to decide what I'm going to build. Fuck no. That kid with his pampers sits the fuck down in the center. doesn't matter if they're shitty or not. And he grabs himself some Legos and he builds himself what looks like a dick, but it's probably a rocket ship, right? That is exactly what this feeling is. You sit down, you ignore all the other stuff, and you're like, boom, I'm moving forward. The elasticity that occurs in the game and the ability for you to continually sort of motivate yourself from moment to moment and puzzle part to puzzle part is fucking awesome. It's just awesome. And what's not just awesome is those faces. <laughs> they are crazy bad. I don't even know how to describe the crazy bad. They do look like fate. They do look like world police. They're just not good. They don't work good aesthetically with the rest of the game world. Luckily, you are not playing a game that's a third person action adventure RPG by staring at your fucking self. This is one of the reasons why I said that fun factor mattered more than, you know, this issue that I had with these characters. You're not staring at your friggin' self the entire time. You know, you see the cutscene but then you move on, right? If you were staring at yourself somehow, I don't know, that'd be a really weird game. But if you were staring at yourself the entire time, that would certainly be an issue. But here you're not. And that brings us a little bit of that combat and the fluidity there. It's not as deep as other games, but it is also not as cluttered and clumsy and fluffy. When I got into Valhalla, and I know you guys are going to be mad about this, and you guys are going to be like, Valhalla is the best game ever made. I just don't agree with you guys. I don't agree with you. I feel that one of the biggest problems there was when I jumped in and I had an axe, I never felt like a Viking because he didn't move like one. There was no real weight. And it's actually must be true, at least somewhat, because the developers themselves in their first patch were talking about fixing a bunch of animation issues where it sort of cuts short the animation. And then you add on to that these massive sort of skill lists and levels. And I get it. If you're into Path of Exile, Lucitin, I'm calling you out. He's somebody in our Discord. If you're into that, it makes sense to get a plus 2.1% damage on an axe. But in a game like that, I want to see it, right? I want to see it. I want to see the goods. This is that first time you're having sex with somebody. You want to see the goods. Keep the lights on, baby. And unfortunately... With Valhalla, I didn't feel that. With this, there was a couple skills that you get and then a couple upgrades that can split on those and you get them all pretty much by the end or close to them. I liked it. It felt good. Now, it wasn't perfect. There was a lot of issues. The same kind of stuff we see in a lot of games swinging through each other, but there was a fantastic just feeling to how everything came together despite those little idiosyncrasies that I ended up having within the game. And I've returned to it after the review, which is crazy. But let's talk about reviews and let's talk about why I'm just fucking stunned on some stuff.
The first thing I want to talk about and the thing that bothers me the most is I saw somebody be like, man, these reviews are so divergent. There's so many people thinking so many things. And I'm like, dude, you're a dumbass. First of all, every single game, including Zelda, has had a huge stretch in who reviews it as what. Now, some people will say, oh, well, it's just the reviewers, the main reviewers we care about. Well, guess what? A creek, a river and a lake may all have the same water, but they travel differently they have a different speed and they have a different impact on the person traveling within them. And that's the same way games work, meaning you need to check is the divergent bit that you see in this game because of the reviewers. Are these the same reviewers that reviewed the other game that you're now saying isn't divergent in its reviews? And to me, that's really what matters. Now, I saw some people say I hated the story. I saw some people say I love the story. Me wasn't a fan of the story. Somebody else was. Guess what? Every game, every game. Every single game, Valhalla, saw people said they didn't like the story. There's nothing special about it. And the sooner we get away from hyperbolizing the differences, the better. There's more people reviewing. The barrier to entry is a bit lower now, technically, right? As well as linguistically, as well as your ability to actually get these things from Game Pass, right? A lot of people didn't have the money to review it. 60 bucks a game. Game Pass can allow for somebody to jump in. You know, they might not be day one on the review, but able to jump in. And then it can feel wider and wider in your spread and in your metrics. But I got to tell you, nothing here is any more surprising than when I used to get magazines at home and diehard game fan would have wildly different reviews than fucking Next Generation Magazine. Now, that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be times where most agreed. That happens all the time. But that doesn't mean if there's a larger group on one side and a larger group on the other than normal, that actually doesn't mean it's completely divergent. Divergent to me would be ones and tens. That's it, right? That would be divergent. But instead, when you look at a title like this, you get the same opinions you get from everybody. I also have to bring up a point that I think is incredibly important. Reviewing a game is not only every past game you've reviewed, right? And coming into it with that. It's also what you reviewed recently. There is a review bias and a recency bias, even more recency bias, less so a review bias because you may play the game but not review it. It matters. It matters what you have played recently and how you go into a title. And I think that there probably were some people who went into this outside of Valhalla, whether they hated Valhalla and they went into this or they liked Valhalla and went into this, where sometimes that bouncing off and getting away from it can make you feel like you like the current game better or worse. How do I know this and how can I tell you this with any kind of authority? Because it happens to everyone, including myself. I've mentioned this in the review. Listen to the review and I talk about it. I say, you know, Valhalla did this and I didn't like this, but I like this here. Now, understanding that by itself, that would be sort of outrageous. That would be like, uh, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're just saying because you didn't like that, you like this. That's one of the reasons why I will say those things and then I will continue to add context so that people understand it's not just the difference. It's really the difference plus the actual excellence itself. That's what matters. You can certainly add the context of the difference, but I see, and I've definitely watched and, and read a lot of reviews where a lot of people are just sort of hinging on that they came off of the prior game with a certain feeling. And I found that a little bit odd or not necessarily odd. It's just, that's the way we work. Uh, I've just tried to sort of school myself into not doing that.
And I'm just asking that you school yourselves into not going into these and assuming that if somebody rates it a one, somebody rates it a 10, something fucking weird is going on. Nothing weird is going on. In fact, that's the way you would want it. You would want it that way. You would want to understand that sometimes things aren't going to resonate with everybody. And in fact, if they were all tens, then guess what, guys? You probably need to worry. Or if they're all ones, you probably need to worry on the opposite hand that somebody wasn't getting paid because I know people are thinking tens are paid and ones are not. So I just figured I'd say that, which by the way, not actually correct. So moving on from there, Phoenix Rising, enjoyable to me, captures the excellence, the exploration, that free form combat, that ability to move between combat and exploration directly into puzzle with barely a moment's hesitation is why I like it. I'm telling you, if you don't check it out, you're going to end up hearing me talk about it a lot and you're finally going to check it out and you're going to be mad at yourself and you're going to have to apologize. And at that point, you're going to have to be a $25 subscriber. All right, let's move on from there. What are we going to talk about? Let's talk about next gen patches and we'll keep this one quick. Next gen patches. What do they do? Why are we getting them? Are you going to re-review? Sure, I'll re-review a game if a next gen patch or a patch for any current gen title raises or lowers the score. So that means if I give a game a wait for a sale and the game's main issues were tech and a patch comes in, fixes everything. You can bet your ass. If I get a chance, I will certainly do a video or in some way, make sure it's known that that is now a buy. I think that's totally fine. I won't get a chance to watch them all right or play them all. Sorry. And nobody else will either, but I'll certainly try to do that. And it's something that as a channel grows, I'm going to continue to try to do. I think that that's only fair. However, I just want to make sure it's clear. When I point out a technical issue, I'm pointing out an issue so that you can understand it and accept it expecting there to be issues and understanding that there are not that those issues magically mean it's unplayable because I'm going to tell you right now, other than a couple games, most games are inherently playable. And what I mean by that is like, let's say frame rate, it's playable. Is it enjoyable experience or an enjoyable experience? Perhaps not, but it's playable. And that'll be brought up in fun factor, of course. And I'll try to explain that in fun factor. And a lot of people got mad at me. They're like, well, how does fun get affected by a 22 FPS per second frame rate? And I'm like, dude, how does it not? But I get that. And I'm not saying, how does it not in that lofty, everything needs to be 60 FPS. Cause I absolutely do not believe that if a game is not 60 FPS, it can't be rated a buy. It's fucking stupid. It just doesn't make any sense. I agree that we would all like 60. I'd like 120. I'd like 144. I'd like 320. I'd like 1,000. I would like nuclear frame rate camera speed shutters on these things. It's not going to happen. But going in with the expectation and understanding if maybe the bugs or the performance is ugly or impacts your basic gameplay environment that you have, that's something I'm always going to point out. And I think that these patches are great. We're starting to see a lot of these patches, but we're also starting to see a lot of people sort of getting onto that thing where it's like, there's 1.1% frame tearing on this and it's unacceptable. And I'm just like, dude, if that's your thing, you need to look at what happens with most entertainment and most hobbies when the technical minded fan gets a hold of it and becomes the technical minded fan slash critic who then just hurts everything. And it it happens in every single entertainment spectrum I know of. Guys, this has happened in Airsoft, by the way, where suddenly you get people being like, pip, pip, the only gun is a $600, you know, fucking, and, and you're just sitting there going like, dude, not everybody's got $600, right? Or the only, the only PC video card is this one, or the only case is this one, or the only this is this one and that one and, and that kind of stuff. You can point out the excellence and 
higher cost entertainment parts, but you don't have to be a jackass about it. And you don't have to pretend that just a small impact is going to magically make something impossible to experience in some way. And I just see that a lot of fans slip into that. A lot of fans slip into it, man. Um, you know, this is something where it's like somebody will be like, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's dropping frames, two frames per second is completely unplayable. And I'm like, dude, I just don't, I mean, I don't know, man, maybe the human body has changed, but I'm an adaptable human being. What do I mean by that? I mean, if a game played at five FPS, I could still fucking play it. Would I like it? No. But when you start getting up there into the 24 to 27 to 30, I hate it, by the way, it makes me actually physically sick. I want to make sure that this is clear. It actually makes me sick. Um, but then you're getting away from the unplayable to the reasonably uncomfortable while you're playing, right? I'm not saying I give a game a, a buy for that. And I want to make sure people don't come out of this thinking that that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm just saying you got to look at everything. You got to understand how everything's working. And sometimes, man, you just got to turn the fucking system on. This is the same weird shit I get, by the way, when I hear people trying to tell me, well, the only way to get 60 FPS is a perfect PC. And I'm like, exactly. Perfect PC. Because guess what, bitch? I play most of these games prior to and after major patches and return to them many times. And a lot of games don't get 60 locked on the PC or they have other issues. People seem to think that there's this magic power well, that the moment you purchase a PC, you're magically gonna be able to play everything at a particular frame rate. They do not understand that that discussion is only covering three fourths of the full discussion and the next one is your settings. And by the way, this comes up a lot of times. Somebody be like, well, a uh, 1080 can't run a game at 4K. Uh, bullshit, it can't. It absolutely can. It depends on what game and what settings. There are games you for sure can get a 4K game to run on something like that. It won't have the highest FPS. In fact, I think that HDMI out of that is probably only going to reach your, th your 30 FPS at like 4.20 or 4.22 kind of gamma. But still... You, you absolutely can. You could run it at one frame too, and you can get it on a lower, a lower end system. It's, it's about the settings and people like to jump into stuff and they like to throw things out. And what I always say is, listen, man, if you're going to pretend that you're technically minded, be technically minded. Are you going to get called out? Be that's just the way it is. If you jump in, you're like, this can do this. Nope. It for sure can't factually. It can't because I could turn the settings up to a point to where it couldn't run that. Or when somebody says, hey, this can't run anything, it's like, nope, absolutely wrong. And the reason why I bring it up isn't because I want to be a tit for tat on language. It's because the more you're informed on the discussion and the more you understand both sides, including the side you're arguing against, the better off everybody can be. The better off people can be when they understand the tech and they look at a game and go, this game couldn't hit 60 FPS without some serious changes to these particular graphics. So they chose 30. I may not like 30. You may not like 30. But what do we get? And let's look at what we get. And uh, I, I just think that's super important. It's super important also when you see people talk about the time spent in games. Time, it's always about time. People are like, I want 160 hours. No, I mean, I get it, some people do. But I know a lot of people who are looking into like, let's say a Valhalla, I, I think some people were only playing Valhalla like 30 or 40 hours before reviewing it. And I was just like, man, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a review, whatever, but you know, you get those kind of things. Um, but the reason why that probably was is because the game's massive, right? And you have to look at time as not being the major factor. It's what you engage with during that time. For example, if I said here's 180 hours of sleeping and resting and when you want eating your favorite pie, 
or here is 180 hours of having your balls or your vagina kicked in multiple times. You'd probably choose the first option. You have to understand just like resolution, just like settings, you have to understand that it's the time within it. And I get it. If you start getting down into the four to six hour range, well, then we are talking about even if it's great, well, guess what? Then it skews the other way. It ratchets the other way. It's really great, but it's too short. That's acceptable. But when you say something is 140 hours, that's only talking in particular about the length of time to play it, engage with it, or beat it. And it isn't talking about the actual spectrum of enjoyment that occurs within it. And I think that a lot of gamers get sort of caught up in this weird thing about time and that time is what makes a game worth money. And to me, man, it could not be farther from the truth. It absolutely could not be farther from the truth. There are so many other things, so many different caveats and contexts in that discussion. We need to make sure that we always discuss them if we get a chance. Real quick, I wanna also throw a shout out there. I don't know if you guys saw, Daybreak uh, Studios was purchased, acquired by EG7. Now, Daybreak, Guys, this is going to be, this is sort of ancient. Daybreak makes one of my favorite MMOs. Uh, they make DC Universe, but they also make some others. This was a huge surprise. It was like 200, it was 300 million, I think, which is crazy. But it also, I think, shows that there was some, there, there was probably some worth there that we weren't all seeing. The reason why I bring it up is because I know people who worked at Daybreak, they don't anymore, who've been on the channel, done some uh, preview or done some, uh, you know, interviews and some podcasts and stuff like that. And it's really good to see something that they built sort of, uh, you know, pop out like this. Very exciting stuff. And one more time where we do start to see, uh, you know, some of these companies that I personally was a little bit nervous might have some issues end up popping off and actually doing quite well. I'm really excited for that. This up and let's uh, let's finish a little bit on Cyberpunk. So Cyberpunk's coming out here soon. And when we look at this, guys, you know, it's going to be out here soon and it's going to be that moment that I think a lot of people have been expecting. I, however, I've lived through all these moments. I've lived through the Witchers, all, all the stuff, even KOTOR 2, because I even KOTOR 1 I got to live through. So I got to live through all these big releases. And I got to tell you, man, make sure that you've got something set up for later on because it's going to be quite interesting to see a lot of people go into Cyberpunk, which we now know really isn't set up the same way as Witcher. And I think people might go into Cyberpunk and might be depressed, not necessarily depressed, but might be a little bit disappointed in the 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 length of the quest and the the overall size of the world. It's big, but understanding that Witcher 3 is massive, it'll be interesting to see what a lot of people come off of this uh, and, and what they think of it. I think it's also good to remember that a lot of people do not like cyberpunk. Uh, I, I, I saw some people surprised about that, but I was like, you don't realize depending on whatever your fiction is, right? Your your fantasy, your futuristic, your current, your modern, your a completely off-world alien, completely prehistoric, primal, by the way, one of my favorite games. It's different for everybody. Some people are going into this uh, winter with nothing, right? They're not, this, this game isn't, right? It's not for them. And that's why there's other games coming out. Because you see a lot of people being like, oh, why would I play this? Why would I buy this? There's cyberpunk. And it's like, I don't know if you're asking me uh, to be a smart ask if, or if you're really asking me to have me prove something to you, but it's like, dude, the number of people who aren't going to be into something is quite high. If you go and look at the biggest Witcher 3 reviews, let's say, right? You go back and look at the biggest video game reviews of all time. And notoriously, those numbers are not near the size of some reaction videos of a band's song that isn't even that great, right? 
Why? Because while gaming is huge, there is an intense amount of uh, sort of amount of variability that occurs within the genre. And I think one of the major reasons is interactivity. First person, third person, real-time strategy, turn-based, right? You start looking at all these things where I think for a lot of people, yes, we can all say that there's 85 versions of rap. That is actually true. There are, there are a great deal of types of rap. And yet the artist sort of plays them Right. And you and I, unless there's some kind of way in which uh, we're able to grab a DJ factory system and mess around with the beats and all that stuff, we are going to hear it overall the same. Where I think with games, you don't. And there's a lot of things that can push people away from games. And gaming is a massive, just a massive overall entertainment spectrum. But I don't think it's as big or not necessarily as robust when it comes to reviews in particular and when it comes to specific games in particular. Not, And I guess we could jump to this and say not everybody's looking forward to the new Eminem album whenever he announces one, right? Not everybody, even rappers, not everybody's going to like that. Not everybody's going to be prepared for the new Unleash the Archers you know, album that they do. Some people may like that genre, but they may not like that particular band. And the same thing happens in games, but they're also interactive, which means time and admittedly of all the entertainment spectrums, guys, with consistent releases. So make sure you understand these caveats of all the entertainment spectrums with consistent releases. Games are the most expensive. What do I mean by that? You look at anything like music, you're still talking 20 bucks for your, you know, your downloads from Amazon, whatever you, that kind of stuff, books, 7.99 to 10, what have you. Games are notoriously in that 40 to 60 area. And that means that the actual ability to jump into every single one is lessened dramatically. It's not only lessened dramatically because of that, but because just like, uh, amateur albums or something like that from people, there's also a shit ton of them. So remember, you're going to be jumping into cyberpunk. There's going to be people who want to talk about something different. Don't ignore them. There will be people out there that will want to talk about their games. And you should embrace that because at some point you're going to be done with cyberpunk, right? But also, if you're one of those people that isn't into cyberpunk and you hear somebody talking about something cool about cyberpunk, don't always get mad and be like, I don't want to hear about cyberpunk anymore because there might be something there that will finally turn you around. And I should know it took four years for my friend Denny to get me to fucking finally play Minecraft. And I loved that thing. So yes, I get it. People are like, he's not a true gamer. He likes Minecraft. Fuck off. I love Minecraft. It was a blast. So anyway, and I'm gonna keep this one short. It is 30 minutes. We're almost exactly at 30. Man, that almost hit at perfect 30 minutes. I don't really have a lot to say. I'm trying to do a bunch of stuff with the channel. I appreciate those who support me. You know, some people are gonna come. Some people are gonna go. It's awesome though, to have you guys here. I had somebody contact me a couple days ago. They've been a fan since I think the third video, Citadel, what was that called? Something Citadel, Sacred Citadel, right? Yeah, Sacred Citadel. They were a fan since back then. That was really cool to hear from them. Um, it's just one of those awesome moments where you realize somebody's been around forever. Also wanna say big thanks to everybody who shouted me out, um, you know, when my dog passed away. That, uh, that was rough. Because if you guys know the podcast, man, I should have him as like the 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 mascot for the podcast. Because that dude was a talker, man, just whoa, 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 all the time. I always had to yell him to shut up, tell him to shut up. Uh, he was a good dog, but I gotta tell you guys, it's not as sad as all that because it is sad. But he, it was it was that time. He was 
really going downhill fast out of the blue. He had he'd been going downhill for a while, but it was that slow where you consistently are like, I got to watch him and decide when to do it. And then this occurred. It was like a, a, a less than two weeks where we were like something weird is going on. And he just mentally was falling apart, just completely falling apart. And uh, it was good. It was, you know, it was one of those things where when you do it, you're like, listen, this is going to suck. And especially it sucks for me because uh, I don't know if you got anybody's had a dog like this. He could tell time perfectly when he wanted to go to bed or get up. He got up at 6 a.m. every single morning, regardless if we were up. And at 8 p.m. exactly, he would go to bed. And that's not a joke. It's not a exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. We have people in the Discord who are my friends in real life who would sit there. We'd be playing games. We'd be doing whatever. Eight o'clock rolled up and that dude would stand up. It didn't matter what, and he would go to bed. Well, what was unfortunate was he was starting to lose his mind a little bit and his timing got weird and he was waking up at 1 a.m. every day. Now, I don't need a lot of sleep. My wife needs more, but I do need the sleep that I expect. And what was happening was I wasn't even getting that. We're talking like 35 minutes a night of sleep because you'd wake up and he would just bark for hours. And we were there were some other things. And so it was one of those things where when we did it, you know, it, it just, it's sad, but it's not that bad. It was like, he had an awesome life. Dude had two fake hips. Uh, he had a great life. You know, he was, he was a crazy fucking dog, but I think he taught me more about, um, sort of like understanding how to take care of anything in my life, whether they're super intelligent, like he was smart enough to open a door, by the way, uh, multiple times, uh, or when that goes away, you know, and understanding that, you know, at some point you're going to be, you know, ultimately responsible, um, for the continuation of that. And it worked out well, it did, it worked out well. So I want to make sure people understand if they run into that, you know, it may be a sad moment, but, uh, that is your responsibility as a, a pet owner. Their loyalty is a hundred percent pretty much, unless you get a freak dog. Uh, they are, they love you no matter what. It is your only real responsibility in that relationship other than feeding them and all that stuff. It's really the gift you can give them is to make sure it's not a ruinous end for them. And um, I, you know, like to me, that uh, that was the way it went. And I, you know, I'll miss him, but I don't feel any like long-term sadness from that. It was a perfect time. And I don't want to end that on a bad note. So I want to make sure people understand it was more like Valhalla, right? He's there. As I said in the joke, I'm like, right now I got to warn the devil that the bigger, badder devil is coming because that dude was a demon dog and he's there somewhere, probably biting Satan in the balls right now. <laughs> the dude was crazy as fuck. I got more videos. I'll have to post them. But anyway, want to say thanks to everybody who's stuck by me. It's been an absolute blast. It's been a pleasure. We're in 2020 going into 21. Uh, if you get a chance, Patreon, it would help. But if you don't want to do that, spread the word, peeps. You have the power. You have the power. Spread the word. Don't keep me to yourself, man. There's more than enough Carrick to spread around like some Carrick Malade. That sounds disgusting. That's like marmalade, but Carrick in it. Let's, let's never say that again. Ever. Anyway, there's enough to spread around. That's not even now. We can't even say that because that's gross. We'll just say there's enough of the enjoyable ACG channel that everybody can get a bit. <laughs> now, it's, now it's wrong. Everybody can get a bit. I would love for you to spread it around. Tell other people. Anyway, that's it for me. This I'm just going. Peace out.